Hey everybody, this is Greg. Happy holidays. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit before we get on with the podcast. And first of all, a big thank you to everybody. Everywhere Rob and I go, a lot of people come up to us and say how much they enjoy the podcast and we enjoy making the podcast for you guys. So thank you so much for your support. And on that note, I want to let everybody know we're looking for two sponsors for 2019. So hit me up at gregrobertson at gmail.com if you're a company or you're interested in sponsoring. We'd really love to continue this. And I think we're just getting our getting started with this. Rob and I, for the past year here, have putting this on. And uh, I think we're getting our kind of feet underneath us and, and really getting a, a good vibe and flow. And I would love a couple sponsors to be a participant in that. So let me know, gregrobertson at gmail.com. And once again, thanks to everybody. Happy holidays. And now on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is your co-host, Rob Hahn, the notorious one. And on the other line, we have our other co-host, Greg Robertson. Greg, are you there? Hola, Rob. <laughs> hey, Greg. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> uh, one of these days. I'll get used to it. <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> well, I have, I, have, I have some other news, Rob. I've, we've got another special guest. Oh, um, wow. Really? Who? I think the better half of the Hahn family... Sunny, oh, are you there? Are you there, Sunny? Hola, guys. <laughs> Hi, honey. Blake <laughs> stole my line. <laughs> I stole your line. Police. I know. I stole your Buenos line. Dias. Hello, I've been doing that forever. <laughs> I know, but I'm the special guest, so I should get special privileges, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you ain't gonna get no argument from me. That's special privileges. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. This is going to be fun. I'm excited about yeah, it. Absolutely. We need that kind of broker perspective here for our topic, right, Rob? I think it do. So why do we invite Sunny? Why did you drag her into this uh, mess of a podcast, Greg? Well, so I've been you know, looking and reading all about different things. And one of the things I caught on Twitter was, uh, no, I, I think it wasn't Twitter. I think it was Barrero's from 1000 Watt, his Friday flash email, and he highlighted that they had published Compass's uh, year-end team meeting kind of thing, their year-end thing, which they held in Los Angeles, and they also broadcast it to the rest of their all the other Compass agents about, I guess it was more of a state of the union and what's coming next for Compass. Right. And it was very kind of very well produced, and he kind of highlighted that. Very. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I mean, I'd, I'd always want to take a peek into you know, we had just finished up our year in team meetings here at, at WNR Studios. So to see just another, I mean, they're obviously a huge company, but just to see others do the same, something similar, I was really curious about that. So I watched it and it's about a little bit over an hour long. And uh, man, I, I left being, you know, very impressed, but, you know, also having a lot of questions and also wondering, do I believe all this? Um, <laughs> you do cynical I, bastard, oh, you. Did you uh, did well, you leave then, inspired? Well, I also left inspired as well because as you know, I might be as as Rob said, I don't want to be the cynical old bastard. I want to I want to be inspired, and and I was inspired by, especially at the end, the, the comments by their CEO Rob Rifkin. I mean, I do want to be that. I do want to be inspired, and I was. Um, well, then and his I thought, mission well, was accomplished. Well, yes, but you know, you leave there, and then you. But again, I have all these questions, so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to give Rob a call, and she says, you know, this would be great. 
uh, to bring Sonia here as well, because a lot of these issues, you know, you've been kind of, you've been in the trenches. I've never worked for a brokerage or been a part of that world or a franchisor. So um, I thought this would be a perfect opportunity for all three of us to kind of talk about it. All right. So real briefly, I know most people know, but uh, there might be some members of the audience who don't know Sonny's background. So maybe you could introduce yourself a little bit. Okay. Well, in addition to being the uh, wrangler of Rob Hahn, which is full-time work, I, I am the partner in the 7DS consulting firm. So I work with brokerages and brands on that end of the business. Previous to that, I was I'm a recovering broker. I was a um, an assistant branch manager and then the managing broker of a Coldwell Banker Bain office in Bellingham, Washington. And prior to that, I sold real estate in Bellingham, Washington. So I have seen both sides of the desk at the brokerage office, and now I help brokerages and brands build their businesses and keep their agents wrangled. So she has walked the walk. That's what that means. Okay, so let's dive into this. Um, the Compass speech. Maybe we could start with. I know Greg. You, you know, you were inspired, but had a bunch of questions. You know, Sunny. I know you saw the uh, video as well. Like, yeah, what's your take on it from from your side of the things? Well, honestly, um, I they did a great job. They really did a beautiful job with it. And most, I mean, like Gary Keller does his family reunion speech, but a lot of other brands and brokerages don't actually publicize a lot of their events. So it was interesting to see Compass do it. I think it was very yeah. smart and strategic on their side to do that and yeah. to mm-hmm. kind of put other brands on notice, I think, to say, hey, one, we're coming after your agents and this is what we're offering them and we're not afraid of you and we have a shit ton of money. So I think that, um, and and by the way, we are pumping up agents and telling them how special and important they are all the time, which agents love to hear. Uh, and a lot of other brokerages take a different tact. So I think it was really smart on their part. I think it was beautifully done. All of the people that were on stage, they were well-prepared, excellent speakers. And I think they really, they knew their audience. So that was really smart. Yeah, the production value was definitely fantastic, for sure. Yeah, for right? sure. But I don't Beautiful know, job, man. Guys. Greg, I, I mean, I've been to your holiday party. I, you know, the don't have the production parties of uh, WNR Studios in uh, Huntington Beach, overlooking the main drag, and <laughs> a little different, a little different. Okay, so I guess I'm curious, like for both you guys, like what what was the biggest like wow moment? Because I saw the video, and yeah, there's there's some interesting things that they're doing, but like, what did you guys think was the big wow aha moment there? So a few things. Um, first of all, it was broken out into kind of several pieces. The first, the first was talk about these five new initiatives that they had, right? And this made it more clear to me. And I guess you know we've known this all along, what their business model is, right? And to me, what their business model is turning more to be is that they're kind of like they're developing these products and services that they can sell to their agents, right? Okay, so they can right. sell. Um, I can give you a loan for you to increase your business. So that's something they could sell to them, right? Um, there's this platform that they have that they could, you know, a marketing center that they, and that's not, you know, that's, that's pretty old school, but that they can sell to their agents, right? They have a credit card 
um, that they can kind of sell to their agents, right? They have all these kind of built-in service uh, staging, you know, we'll, we'll help you pay for staging. Mm-hmm. All these products and services in a really slick package that they can sell to agents. And I know a lot of brokerages have these kind of things, but the way that they position this stuff is really, really slick and integrated and, and, and looks really professional and, you know, all designed to the hilt, right? So I just got a, a more feeling of, what, what that looked like and how that was being presented to the agents. And I think to me, the agents like that. Another thing is that you talked about this kind of like bridge loans. Again, something, you know, that we've seen in the past, but with the way they package it of, you know, how many of your sellers would move right now if they could sell their house? Well, we'll help you with a bridge loan, right? So for, for your sellers. So that's another kind of service that they can kind of sell their, their, um, their agents and their clients, right? So it's really kind of apparent to me they're just putting together everything they can in this kind of package. Now, the questions that come out of that for me are, what if uh, you lend this agent a bunch of money and they don't do well? What happens then? I mean, there's, you know, so there's, you know, things on that nature or, you know, when the home doesn't sell or, or, or some of these things that kind of pop up, would you end up with like these uh, they're sharecroppers, right? They're just <laughs> working to pay off their debt to Compass, right? In a sense, right? Um, and that's all got to be managed in some way. The, the second part of the whole thing was talking about the new technology coming up. You know, the, they have a listing presentation package, a listing alert package, and, and they had some demos of that. And those were, you know, it's, I mean, being a software developer, nothing really too fancy there. Again, I think it's more about the integration into the platform and how that all works. But, you know, the integration of the platform stuff, as far as the services are selling and the technology, what I, I began to think of is adoption, right? Typically, franchisors get maybe an 8 to 8 10% adoption from these tools they provide to their agents. I'm still wondering what they're going to be doing different to kind of to get that to 100% or, you know, whatever percentage it is where they can really show value from, from that platform. And then kind of the, th- the third section to me was really about inspiration and, and really telling the agents why, maybe I, I should say about culture. And, you know, of course, you know, they have this vibe of like only the best agents, right? It's like, there's a little bit of pretentiousness to this whole entire thing, right? But but that's their kind of brand. That's their kind of culture. Like we're the best of the best, right? But as they wrapped it up with, uh, I, I thought that the CEO, Rob, Robert Refkin's personal story was really, really touching and, and, and really gave you a glimpse. I'm hoping that really where he's coming from, where he wants to um, to empower these, as he called them, entrepreneurs. I mean, the biggest uh, aggregation of entrepreneurs in the country. Um, and a lot of that being uh, a majority of those being women and how he wants to power women to, to succeed. And looking back at his own experience with his mom, I mean, that was really, really kind of, um, my mom was a real estate agent for a while as well. Uh, a lot of that, you know, and in his personal background of how he grew up and how he also wants to take some of the 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 proceeds from from their business and turn that into to mentoring and and other kind of philanthropic activities that Compass is going to drive right. So it was really just a feel good story at the end that I again I, I you know to me all those other questions I had kind of got I got caught up in that inspirational kind of thing that he was talking about and 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 I haven't really heard that kind of messaging from like. NAR about, you know, these are, we're, you know, representing the most uh, entrepreneurs in really one place and most of their women. So we're empowering women. I mean, I think the only time I've ever heard that kind of inspirational stuff was probably from, I got to go to a, a broker retreat for uh, Better Homes and Garden with Sherry Chris. And she came up there and talked about inclusion and something other 
beyond the typical brand stuff that I thought was really compelling and really brave. But um, yeah, so those are the kind of overall kind of things I of those three sections that I kind of got off of it. I, I don't, I'm not sure if that was too much or not. Uh, no, that was great. If I do say so myself. Um, I know I'm just a special guest on here, but I'm going to give my opinion. So I thought those were all really smart things. And I'll, I'll address a couple of those things that, that you mentioned that I had questions on too, like the agent adoption. But I guess my two biggest wow moments, in addition to Robert Refkin's story, because I always think that bringing a personal story and connecting with people on that really human level is so important. And a lot of people don't do that, especially leaders of large, yeah, yeah. You know, large public facing companies. They don't necessarily get really vulnerable and get really human. So I thought that was super compelling and smart. But the things that were that kind of stood out to me as the biggest kind of wow things were um, the COO, like offering a COO, because as we know, a lot of these agents are entrepreneurs, but a lot of them aren't strong operators. So time will tell what that CEO or that COO actually does, if it's more of an admin help or if it's someone who's really going to help the broker owners or the you know agent team leaders, if it's really going to help them kind of dive into their PL, understand what numbers they can change, how they can, you know, if they if you know if they're noticing that their average commission rate is falling, if they can bring those different things up. There are certain numbers that you can manipulate on your PL and how you can drive profitability. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of people they hire in those roles and what kind of lift that gives the agents on the ground. I thought that was that's an interesting thing that I'm going to be watching. And also the feedback that they do for all of the tech. They said like they get they've gotten 40,000 pieces of feedback from the agents on the different tools that they offer and based on these different bits of feedback, that's what they spend their time, money and resources developing. So all of the new products and services that they're offering to the agents and the clients are all driven by what agents are saying that they want, what they want, and then having other agents vote stuff up or down. Like, yes, this is something we want. This is something that we think is really helpful. It's going to drive our business. So please work on these things. Um, I think that feedback loop is something that is missing from a lot of other brands. So time will tell if that is something that people really like cling on to and say, we feel like we're able to drive the direction of this brand. And I think if they can do that, they will be successful with recruiting and retaining more agents. But it'll just depend on the value that people see because they do charge higher splits than other brokerages and brands do. So is that feedback loop, are these different things that they're developing, are they going to be worth the additional cost to the agents in the long run? So that'll be something that I'm going to be watching just with kind of my operations nerd brain. And then some of the things that Greg mentioned were like the adoption of tools. I've heard this and I have not seen the contracts that Compass has with agents, but I've heard that one of the contract provisions is that you have to use the Compass tools. I don't know how they get around that with independent contractors, but that is something that I've heard anecdotally from people who have joined Compass that one of the things in their contract was that they need to um, use the Compass tools. So I don't think that they're as worried about agent adoption for this because they have it written in there. Again, I've not seen the contract and 
I can't, you know, I can't say what it says in there, but I've heard that that is one of the things that they tell their agents. If you come on, on board with Compass, you need to use our tools because it's going, it's, we're doing all of these things for you. We're building it for you. But to do that, we need you using it so you can tell us what's working and what's not. I don't know if they've got 100% adoption. I don't know if people are still using their own CRM or, you know, listing tools, whatever. But that will be interesting to see what other people, what kind of feedback we get from hearing this. What kind of people say if if Compass agents are like, oh, yeah, we can use whatever we want or no, we do have to use Compass tools. So if you're a Compass agent and you want to let us know, please do. So those were some of the things that stood out for me. Uh, I didn't really think there was a whole lot new, like the bridge loans. That sounds like knock what knock is doing, like we'll buy a house so you can move in and then we'll list the house. We'll list your old house for you and sell it. It, I mean, it doesn't sound like they're doing anything super new other than the credit card and then the loans to agents. It doesn't sound anything super new. So those things didn't really stand out to me, but the feedback and that COO access or things that I might be watching. Yeah. And I guess to me, the one thing I forgot to mention was just after being like knee deep and reading about iBuyers and all these other, our last episode, Rob and I talked about this video that went around about software eating real estate. It was really refreshing just to see somebody up there talking about how agents are still the center of everything. They're, you know, how, how agent centric this was, right? It was just after, after like, being in the pit of despair for so long about, oh my God, they're all going away for a company to come out and say, we believe agents are the future of real estate, not like in the past. And that was just, from my standpoint, uh, very refreshing. Oh the yeah, thing he, is, is, but- he knows his audience. I mean, he knows that they want to hear that they are going to be central. And I think at one point he said, we want people to talk about what you guys are get- what you guys are getting paid because we want to say, wow, this agent did so much for me, they should have been making more than they actually made. Like they should charge more because they did all of these things X, Y, Z for me. So I thought that was interesting too, that he said, I want people to know what you're doing and that they think that you should get paid more than you're getting paid. Yeah, but I mean, okay, so that's interesting. But first of all, the presentations were amazing. They were really, really well done, right? I mean, Compass has some really great on stage presences and you're right i mean robert refkin is one of the most charismatic people in the industry having said that like once you get past the initial like wow you know the initial charisma and and i was thinking a lot about that alex rampel video as well right like what what did compass say what are they doing that changes what alex said do you know what i'm saying maybe that's more a question for greg but and Sonny, have you seen this video? The software will eat the world. Video? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he so, makes some wild assumptions, but also some valid points. Yeah, you know, we're like he's, you know, he's like on point on so many things. So, you know, I guess that's that's sort of where I end up after watching, you know, kind of the Compass Vision videos. Like, okay, no, this is fantastic. It's great job, inspirational. But what exactly does that? change in terms of you know the the Alex Rampel video right i think i think what it changes is exactly what we were talking about where i don't think alex was saying that agents are going to go away right there's just going to be less of them and compass is as their goal has been mm-hmm. stated wants the top 20% agents you know top 20 markets by 2020 so they may be the brokerage 
that these last 200, that, that the, you know, as the last standing agents that are actually providing value, that right. might be the brokerage for them, right? But, I mean, yeah. I think that's where it fits in. Maybe, but then it raised the problem because again, what Alex Rampel was saying was in the future, you will buy and sell your, com- your houses from companies. So I guess one way of interpreting that- That company could be Compass in a sense, no, right? I mean, that's my if point. they're doing bridge loans, no, right? That's my point. It won't be Compass because- They can what, add iBuyer. I mean, they can. They've got plenty of cash. Yeah, I guess they could, you know, and so they could do the iBuyer piece of it and, you know, and then their agents will be doing, you know, so there's some financial economic things that I think I would love to see how that happens. But at a more fundamental level, my point is, Revkin spent a lot of time talking about you know, you are entrepreneurs, right? You are all small businesses yourselves. You're all companies. So it's really hard. Like I, I'm trying to imagine what what exactly does that look like for a compass, the brand, the company to tell all of its agents, you all all independent operators, you're all independent companies and entrepreneurs, and we're going to make you loans so you can invest in things and all of this stuff and still be able to somehow guarantee any sort of consumer experience. Like, is that possible? Has anyone done that in any industry anywhere? I think that goes back to Sonny's point. Um, if, if they are requ- if they're required to use those tools, um, you're going to come very close to that. And I think it has been done in other industries. There's people that own McDonald's franchise, and they're not just serving anything they want on the menu. They don't have chimichangas on the menu. They right. have to go with what that franchise or tells them to do right. So I think, I think there is, I think you know maybe not in this industry, but um, in others, yeah, yeah, they have to stick to these these brand guidelines and or maybe it's not even a guideline, but you know absolutes. But yeah, but I mean, Compass isn't a franchise, so there's that difference. Right. But even beyond that, Sonny, so, I mean, McDonald's and fast food and these things aren't actually good examples. Because if you're a McDonald's franchisee, you have to buy your stuff from McDonald's. In other words, McDonald's supplies the actual products that you're selling. Well, aren't they buying vis-a-vis their splits? No, no, what I mean is the literal product that you are selling comes from McDonald's. Like if you're a McDonald's franchisee, you you can't just go out and buy whatever burger buns right. you want to buy. You have to buy it from well, McDonald's. I don't think right? you were talking about experience though, right? You were talking about experience, not product, not inventory. Right. Oh, okay. That's a good point. So yeah, maybe fast food is an example of one where, you know, you have a franchise brand or a larger company that guarantees a certain level of certain type of consumer experience. And then you have a whole bunch of, you know, people underneath it. I mean, I bet you couldn't around town, you know, identify the ones that are owned by McDonald's and the ones that are owned by franchisors. Well, I could not. No. Right? No. Yeah. There's no way. So that's success. Okay. All right. I mean, so maybe that's the play, you know, so they, they want to kind of be like the new franchise. Does that make sense? So what yeah, Remax and franchise Realogy, without being a franchise? Kind of, I guess. And get a better split, I guess. I mean, if that's I the play. I don't know. To me, like, to me, like, you know, Keller Williams has like, you know, we always talk about this, what a great culture they have. Right. right? And it's not really, it's, it's more of a culture of the agents than I would say branding and, and tech and everything else. They've really successfully done this kind of really great culture of the agents that they have, right? But maybe not, they haven't translated that into, here's our company website, here's my CRM. They, they try to do oh, that man. stuff, but at least they have some culture there, right? So Of course, but that's okay, not what but, I'm talking about. I'm talking about- I know, I know. I'm just saying, so there's instances where they where franchisors or, or brokers have gotten some level of- 
ex, you know, of an experience that, that is, that is kind of the sameness, right? No, but maybe not all the way as, as we're talking about with these guys and maybe the way that compass is trying to have them making it so compelling that they got to drive them to that so that they can get that, that kind of similar brand experience. around. Okay. Well, let me ask. And I think they're starting it. I think because they're a newer company and they really want to drive that experience and get the right agents who want to use the tools and want to work with customers in a certain way. I think that they've been able to build it the way that they have by really starting with culture and starting with the tools and saying, this is what we have and this is super important. And if you're not, if you're not cool and with this being what we're focused on, we don't want you. And that's fine. There will be other agents in this market that will want what we are offering and we will be happy to work with them. And then they will start, they will, you know, try to take your business. So I think that Compass is starting that from the beginning, whereas like Coldwell Banker or something might have, they didn't have the tools. They didn't have all of the different pieces and components put together that they could offer to someone that wanted to buy a franchise in the beginning saying, Hey, by the way, we've got this. It's like, Hey, we're Coldwell Banker. This is what we've got. We've got the name. We've got the trusted reputation. Whereas Compass is saying, here's what we have. This is where they started. Here's what we've got. Here are the tools that we're doing that we're building for you with your feedback. These are the things that are important to us. If these are important to you, we'd love to have you join. But if they're not important to you, we don't want to work with you. We're not for everyone. So hold on a second. So I guess I get to be the uh, disagreeable one that you guys could beat up on on this on this episode. <laughs> you disagreeable? Um, I know, shocking, really shocking. And I and I hate to be disagreeable. I'm, I'm actually very. <laughs> I'm actually extremely Sorry. agreeable. But I mean, I I feel like I have to point out that the 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 way that I think it was Refkin, I'm pretty sure it was Refkin that introduced his whole speech was talking about diversity, and how. Compass has all this diversity, and you know it's not just gender, it's ethnicity, it's sexual orientation. It's you know some agents have tattoos all up and down their neck, you know others dress in a business mm-hmm. suit. So in other words, what he was saying was specifically there is no such thing as a quote Compass agent, right? There is no you know model. There is no this is the Compass experience. It's more in your all in your incredible diversity, represent the community and go forth and. And conquer, you know, and I'm like, okay, what that almost guarantees is that there will be no such thing as a compass consumer experience, right? If I work with one compass agent in West Hollywood, that experience is going to be nowhere similar to working with a compass agent in DC versus working with a compass agent in New York, or for that matter, working for this for another compass agent in the same off in the same market in the same office. I mean, what? Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, I but you know, I mean, you're never going to get that. I mean, you know. Some chick from California is going to be different from some chick in DC, man. Not right, or some guy or some dude, <laughs> right? I mean, there's different, um, you know, or in the South. I mean, there's different personalities. Doesn't mean that their work and their product can be still quality, right? I mean, I don't, I, well, no, no, you know, just, dude, come on. I mean, if you're you're talking about if you're just talking about you know people people. I mean, people. Of course, they're going to be different. You can't like put a you know a baby shit brown jacket on them. Right and and you know call them all the same. Well, hold on. So, so here's well, the thing: you right? go to a Chick Fil A, you know, in Texas versus a Chick Fil A here. While the food is the same and you know it's clean and whatever, the people that you're interacting with on the other side of the counter, right. while they have exactly. certain things that they say and certain things that they you know certain things that they ask and ways that they ask it, 
it's still a different experience because the people are different. The people in the South yeah. are different than the people in Texas. All right. Let me ask both you guys this. Have y'all, I mean, because let's face it, we're all like big time travelers. We're spending you know, our lives on the road. Is the experience different if you go to a W Hotel in Seattle versus a W Hotel in Orange County versus a W Hotel in Miami? For me, it's not. People might look different because, yeah, of course, people are different, you know, and they might have a slight accent or, you know, whatever. But, man, the experience Hold is the on. same. Hold on. The W Hotel in Miami is way different than the W Hotel in Los Angeles. Absolutely. And totally different than the one in oh. Seattle. Okay. All right. It's got their local <clears throat> vibe. I mean, why would they want to make it the same? I mean, you're in Miami. It's got a local vibe, but, you know, the level of service, the way you get treated, you know, the check-in process, all of it, like, feels the same to me. You know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. And if W is kind of trying to be this local flavor, fine. You know, maybe we could talk about the Four Seasons or the Intercontinental. I mean, the high-end hotel chains deliver this level of service, this level of consumer experience that's pretty consistent. Like I could walk into, you know, Intercontinental in Chicago, and then I could walk into Intercontinental in Los Angeles and expect a certain level and a certain experience that I, you know, maybe I wouldn't no, get. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I understand where you're going here. Yeah. I mean, I think the W is a more, a better example or comp, if you would say, okay. to kind of compass okay. than let's say a Ritz-Carlton or a Disney, right? Disney cast members, you know, for, for, for years, you <laughs> right. couldn't wear a mustache, right? They're yeah. going to put you in a uniform. And that is part of the experience is that kind of sameness, right? Um, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. I'm talking, I think it's more, as you're making the example to a W hotel, that's, those are like, they're almost embracing the local flavor, then kind of making the sameness where maybe a Four season or a Century 21, those guys are wearing suits and it's got to be a certain this and that. And, and they're not kind of injecting that local flavor there. So there's, there's, it's a nuancey thing there, but I think it's still relevant in what we're talking about. Okay. So I'll ask Sonny, do you believe that if you go to Compass in West Hollywood, so no longer local flavor, West Hollywood, same office, and you work with one agent versus another agent out of the same office, do you think that you would get the same experience? I would get, if you go have two different Compass agents in the same right. local office, I think you will have a continuity your experience of experience. People. Yeah, your, your experience will be with people. It will be a little bit different, but your continuity will be with the tools and the resources. And so if you work with a compass right. agent and they're using those tools, and again, it goes back to adoption. We don't know what kind of agent adoption they have, but if the story Let's assume it's 100%. Are true, Let's so, assume it's 100%. Well, then you know what you're going to get through the app. Like an agent or a client knows okay, this is what my buyer tour is going to look like. You know, this is, I can interact and say, I like this listing. I don't like this one. Here are the notes. They will know that they can interact with their agent that way. And so that part of the experience, those little nuances, those will, those will be the same working hmm. with different agents. But like personality wise, I mean, maybe one agent wants you in their car when you're driving around touring, looking at houses because they want to chit chat and get to know you. Whereas someone else says, Hey, you know what, follow me or meet me at these different houses. So those things will be different. Those little bits of the experience will be different. But the way that they're able to interact with the system and the tools will be the same. Will they get you the same price? I don't know. It depends right. on the, I mean, negotiation is negotiation. Some people are excellent at it. 
some people suck ass at negotiating. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're obviously a good negotiator because you got me to marry you. But I, mean, I think, that, I think was I just got of, that was like the greatest negotiation of your life, I think. <laughs> I don't recall I negotiating that heavily. Um, I recall yeah. kind of falling into a pot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I'm, I'm, like the, I'm like the agent who just like fell into a you know ten million dollar listing. <laughs> no, I looked at you and I was like, really? We've fixer yeah. upper, more like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm All a right. fixer. Oh, Greg, I'm a fixer. I was Ooh. talking about Rob. <laughs> <not you. laughs> Let me. Can I tell you what the problem with Compass is, though? I mean, you know, just to kind of. Overall, to me, and I don't know if I'm sure we talked about this on this podcast or not, but it's where the relationship begins, right? And to me, the way that Compass as a company starts the relationship with their agent is based upon this money, this payout a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if you come here, I'm going to give you this check, but you got to be here for three years and you got to use these tools, right? To me, when you're starting that relation, any relationship that way, or in, in a sense, like here's here's some money, here's what you're supposed to do, and here's a time frame. What happens at the end of the time frame, right? Because yeah, there wasn't an organic reason why they, yeah, there there wasn't an organic. Re- if they just came over there organic, like I like you guys, you like me, let's let's do this together, right? That, that, that's a, all these things seem to be these relationships have started are, are upon some sort of financial transaction. And I don't, I'm not really sure if, if that culture can be bought for lack of a better phrase. Right. And I think they have a danger there of like, once these contracts end up is like, um, maybe they do their job uh, fantastically. And like the, the, once they get there, they deliver on their value proposition and agents love it. And they just can't imagine being anywhere else. But I think they're at a deficit here by starting from that type of, financial relationship to begin with. And I might be naive. I mean, that that's my, how it's been done forever. Um, well, it's but, like a prenup here, baby. If you stay with me for 15 years, you'll get this at the, if we decide to, if we end up getting divorced, it's what it's, yeah. It's like if, if there's a carrot, is the carrot what's actually closing the deal or is it something bigger? Like, is it something greater than that, that they're really like our values are in alignment. This is, I yeah. really see that this is going to work out in the long term other than, yeah, it's a check. It's like, wow, here's, you know, here's $500,000. Enjoy. In return for that, you're going to be with us for X amount of time and you're going to use our tools. But yeah. that's I, part I, of the deal. Like, I, ha- I got to tell you, I'm, I'm shocked to hear you say that because, you know, I know you've told me about meetings where you've had as a managing broker with agents who love you. Yeah. Right. So. Like, why would that be different? Well, because I'm not writing them checks for $500,000, but um, they're saying I can do the same. The agents that loved me would come into my office and it was always this time of year, December. I feel so bad right now for every other broker that's still active in the world. December sucks because everybody or most people's splits roll January 1. So December is like, just the part of the year when brokers are drinking and crying in their offices, wondering who's <laughs> going to move to another office. So all you brokers out there, hang tough. I'm here for you. But no, I would have agents that would come into my office and before they would even say anything, they would start to cry. And I'm like, all right, bring your license in because I know you're leaving and I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to be held hostage 
for a different split because someone else is saying that they'll give you more money or you can make more money and do the same amount of deals. Like I'm not going to be held hostage by that. But that was me. I mean, everybody has to make a business decision at the end of the day. I was making a business decision that I was not going to write them a half a million dollar check to stay. Whereas Compass has a, is making a different business decision. Right. Whereas my agents were making a business decision. They're like, hey, this is what I want to do. They say that I can make more money and do the same amount of work if I go to XYZ brokerage. And that's fine. And I'm like, hey, my door is always open. If it doesn't work out for you, I would love for you to come back. But those decisions that are based solely on money, Unless I'm willing to write a big check, there's nothing I can do for that. I mean, they still love me. They're like, hey, are you still coming over for dinner on Thursday? I'm like, yeah, great. I'll bring some wine. But when it came down to it, everybody has to make a business decision. And That's my is, point. Yeah, Compass is, is that we'll write you a check. And for those agents who want to join, they're like, sure, I'll take that money. And if the pay, if like, if, you know, what I have to do for that cash is to stay on with you guys for three years or whatever, and I have to use the tools for this payment amount, then I'll do it because that's the business decision they're making. It's not for everybody. And I've heard that other people are like, you know what? They try it out and they've given the money back to Compass because it doesn't work. It's not for them. So I have heard of people signing up, taking the payoff and then paying it back and saying, no, thanks. And I've heard other people that take the money feel like it's great, feel like it's they're getting a good value, even though their split is worse than it was at their previous brokerage because they feel like they're getting so much more support. It's okay. different for everybody. Okay. And I, I guess my point is it's not different for everybody that at the end of the day, none of this is, you know, it's 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 not real estate friends, it's real estate business. And in an ideal world, you want to make money. You want to work with people you like. <laughs> you want to do something cool, right? You want to be you want to be part of something greater. But at the end of the day, it is a business, right? Well, I had agents too that said, "Here's the thing, Sunny. I went to this other office, and yeah, I'm making more money here, but I can't get the broker to call me back." Sure. So they would that's leave my office. Yeah. So sure. they would they would call me afterwards. I'm like, I can't give you advice anymore because. My license, like my license has nothing to do with yours. I, my license is not on the line anymore for you. So I can't answer that because it's someone else's license that is hanging in the balance here for this advice. You need to talk to right. your broker right. and I am not your broker. And if right. you can't get your broker to call you back, that's a problem. But right. that's your problem now, not mine. I understand. So, right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what that means is still a business relationship, meaning so move it outside of you, right? What if it's Compass? Essentially, like what Greg is saying is Compass is thinking their strategy has to be: we have developed this whole range of tools and values and culture and good feelings and inspiration and all of it, right? The, the entire package, and that is going to be worth X, you know, whatever that X is to an agent. Now, if we got to get him in the door initially with a big check, we'll get him in the door initially with a big check, because at the end of the day. Even if I didn't write them a big check and I went and recruited them based on, it's a shortcut. But once they're in, man, like they're either going to stay or go based on business, you know, like that's what I just fundamentally believe. Maybe I'm wrong because I've never been an agent, but you know, it's like any company, like people take pay cuts all the time so that they can go do something you know, that they want to do or because they want to work at a company with better hours or I don't feel like people do that all the time. Honest. I mean, people leave people, not companies, but I don't think people are leaving businesses all the time 
for less money because it's better X, Y, and Z. It's like at the end of the day, people still have to pay their mortgage. They've got to pay their bills. They've got to feed their kids. They've, you know, they've They're got plans. They're not going to go bankrupt, but I, no, it actually does happen all the time where people are like, you know what? I think these millennials are, are way less. more interested in this work-life balance than ever before. I know the ones that yeah. have come for work for me because of the location, because of the flexibility, because of a lot of things. Right. They may have been well, making because you're Greg somewhere else. Robertson yeah. too. Yeah, whatever. But they, they do, you know, money is a factor, but, you know, lately it's a, it is a work-life balance. It also um, means right. more to them. Right. So I, I'm I'm right. I'm more on I'm more I think it's more happening than what than what um, you're thinking, Sonny. But you know, maybe for Rob, it's not it's not it's not the default for sure. Yeah. All I'm saying is, if companies get them in the door, you know, with a big check, they still have to prove like the rest of it, right? They still have to make the agents feel good about themselves. They still have to make the agents successful. They have to do all those things, and they still have to provide value and service and all that. Well, the not for that X amount of, of time, like that whatever that period of time sure. is that they've signed up, it's like they're sure. golden handcuffs. So, Yeah, and then we'll see you know, what happens when, when all those start running out, if the people stay or, or, or not, right? And I think that's kind of what you're pointing out. That's what Greg's pointing out. That's what you know, the industry as a whole has been pointing out. Like, well, let's see in three years you know, when, the, when yeah. the honeymoon period is over. It's kind of like the whole intro, you know, like HBO or whatever, like six months of Apple Music free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Cool. Let's see what happens in month seven. See what the conversion's um, like. One thing yeah. I'll say though, and this goes back to your red report from last month, and you talk about how a lot of times that the the agent is the customer, right? To the broker. Yeah. All and, the time. Yeah, all the time. A lot of all the times. Time. And that, yeah. you know, sometimes hiring or, or recruiting the top agents is a lost leader because of the way the splits work out, right? Yeah, but but to me, if they're successful, if they're building this platform, Rob, of all mm-hmm. these kind of services and 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 things that they can sell to agents, they might just flip that on the head. Where by attracting agents that are that are successful, right, that they can put in front of them a lot of products and services that those agents, successful agents, meaning they got money that they can right. sell shit to. Oh yeah, financing everything else. So instead of by attracting these top twenty percent agents, they're really bringing in the um, the Nordstrom's customers that they want, right? To, right, to provide. Right, right. So th- again, that, that all has to do with execution. But if they're able to execute correctly, that's another a, a way they're kind of putting this traditional model on its head a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, look, Refkin's on the record, and I think the CEO Mayel Gavert, I think is her name. You know, they're on the record as, you know, saying like in mid-articles and other interviews and such, saying things like they want to create the referral economy, right? You know, yeah, and we, yeah, we've heard exactly. Ref can say, yeah. look, I mean, you you guys, the real estate agent, you're at the center of this transaction that is like the biggest Center of the spend. community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, not just the home, but once you buy a house, you need home repair, you need furniture, you need paint, you need, you know, all these things. And why aren't you getting a piece of that action? So he wants to create this referral economy. So that might be the play, right? And it may be that the tools and the apps and all this stuff is really important, not, not even for the agents, but as a way of getting the consumers on that platform. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like once you install a Redfin app on your phone, you know, then Redfin always knows like where you're at, you know, what you're doing, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Maybe the play here is, look, we're going to go get these agents who have the most business, so they have the most sort of consumer contact, 
And once those consumers start downloading the Compass app, then we can start pushing messages to consumers like, hey, congratulations on buying your new townhouse. Do you need any furniture? Right? Would you like to hear about our, you know, our partners, you know, who are yeah, offering a 20% discount? vendors around yeah. your area. Yeah. yeah. And then they get a commission from those uh, furniture merchants and then and share that with the agent. I mean, it might be, that might be the play, right? And based on what Refkin has said so far, that is the play and that yeah. is the platform they want to build. Look, if they do, good for them. And then that, that might work, you know, that really might work. But what that says to me is Compass then is really, it's no different than home services. It's no different than Realogy. It's no different than anybody else out there. It's just, they're, they're better at the presentation. They're better at marketing. You know, they have a lot more cash and they have really good leadership and they, they kind of know what they're doing in terms of marketing themselves. But from a business model standpoint, fundamentally, they're doing pretty much the exact same thing that every other brokerage is doing. They're doing the exact same thing EXP is doing, just not as slick, right? And not going after the top producers. They're going after kind of the, the cost-conscious agents out there. And it's just a land grab to see once we have the agent count, it gives us doorways and entrees into consumers, and we'll figure out how to make money from them and uh, sort of maybe do a split with the agents who, who kind of introduced us. Maybe that's the play, right? And if that's the case, man, they're going to run brokerage as a loss leader for the rest, like forever. Like they don't yeah. care about making money on brokerage. Well, that's what a lot of brokerages are doing now. They use Correct. it as a loss leader for title escrow mortgage. Correct. Correct. So if that's the case, well, like I said, in that case, they're in the same boat as every other major brokerage, every other major franchise brand, every, everybody else. And um, I suppose in agreement with you guys, execution does matter. And these guys do execute like crazy. I mean, that party, that year-end meeting was... Awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it was really, really well done. So um, let me ask. So maybe they can get there. Maybe, let me ask Sonny one thing. I don't know if we want to wrap this up soon, but at the end he talked about, and I've, I don't think I've heard of a brokerage or NAR or anybody talk about how this message of this aggregation of women entrepreneurs, right? How did that mm -hmm. make you feel, Sonny? When he, when he, because I don't, I mean, maybe you have heard that before, but you know, I know a majority of realtors are women. It's, it's kind of what I've heard, like 50, 51, 52 percent, not, not a, a vast majority, but, but this aggregation of like the most amount of women making over six figure or some, he had some figure there. But I mean, how did that feel to you? Did that speak to you in any way or, or what, what's your vibe on that? Well, it didn't speak to me. I mean, it didn't really, make me go, oh, yes, he gets it. I mean, it's a conversation that people have been having for years that there's a disproportionate amount of male leaders in the industry based on the number of females that are actually in the industry. So the leadership is not representative of you know the membership, basically. It's been talked about for years. So it didn't really, it didn't like hit me and go, oh, yeah, he gets it. This is amazing. He's empowering women. I mean, to me, that message isn't unique or special because it's a conversation that everyone's been having for years, whether or not So you think Remax the CEO, Gary Keller's speaking that message, you think- you well, know, I mean, I think all they all recognize it. Like they all recognize it. Um, I, don't, I mean, he's saying it out loud, but it's conversations that everybody's been having out loud for as long as I've been in real estate. 
So he just, you know, he said it from the stage. Whereas, I mean, everybody else is saying it in boardrooms, like, hey, by the way, should, you know, we probably should get more female leaders because women are starting to, you know, put together these movements, like the Women Up movement stuff saying, you know, we, we need to get more female leaders. And men are on board with that Women Up movement as well. So I don't I know. I mean, you're so you're saying, okay, it's been said in boardrooms. All he's doing is saying it in, on stage and in front of everybody. I think that because he knows his audience. But yeah, uh, he knows but, his audience. But hold yeah. on. I mean, I think that's significant. From it going from the boardroom to something as a big value proposition, I think that's significant. I'm surprised to hear you don't think that's significant. Well, I mean, he's saying it out, but again, it's like he's saying it out loud. But what's he going to do about it? If he would have said. Well, you got to start you know, somewhere. You got to first. Let's now. Let's. We've gone yeah. from the boardroom. Now we're making it a main value proposition, and now it's about executing. Right? Where I don't but see any other brokerage. I, I don't see any other other brokerages or franchisors or associations really speaking to that. Right? Well, I do. He's speaking wait, wait, to it, I, and other people are speaking to it. But yeah, he's Hellman. not saying. He's not saying we're going to do these things to promote more female leaders. We're not doing things to, you know, help women in this business, they're saying, yeah, we're helping everybody in this business. And by the way, everybody that's part of Compass in this business, and maybe it's 60% women, 40% men, we want like, we're going to raise the tide for everybody. So it's not like he's saying, we're going to do these things to help women. He's saying we're doing this, these things to help all of our agents. And oh, by the way, a lot of them are women. So that's how I heard it. But yeah, and Greg, I mean, Glenn Kelman's been talking about this for like years, right? Years. They've they did the gender pay study. And, and Zillow's remember, done. Zillow actually Zillow's did that too. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and let's face it. Look, every single white male, right? Those in are the top all, those are both employees, right? These he was talking about women entrepreneurs, but I mean, I get your point. Yeah, I mean, it's but they've been talking like, dude, Glenn just did this whole spiel about race. Which was really touchy at Inman, so I mean that I think other leaders have been saying these things. And again, I, I would want to make this point: if you go and talk to like the top twenty of the SP two hundred list, the vast majority of whom are white men, every single one of them would say would echo Refkin, right? I mean, could you imagine? Like, it's not like Adam Contos is going to go on stage and go. Screw women. You know, it's about men. Like, like nobody's going to do that. Nobody thinks that. Ryan Schneider's not going on stage and going, look at us, you know, patriarchy forever. Like, he, nobody's doing that, right? But again, Robert Refkin said, you know, that real estate sales and being an agent is a way for women to make six figures. But yes. he didn't say anything in there saying, we're going to do this to promote women into leadership. We're going to do it. He just said, hey, we recognize that there are a lot of women entrepreneurs here. and. Right. Compass is a path for these people to make six figures. He, but he didn't say we're doing all of these things to help, you know, empower the women even more. He just said, "Hey, we're empowering everybody." And by the way, a large, a large portion of the people in Compass are women entrepreneurs and making six figures. I so to that. me, it wasn't right. it wasn't like a path to leadership. It was just a statement of, "Hey, by the way, my mom was a single mom. She was an agent." This business helped her, you know, raise me and we had a great life and things like that. But and I would like other people to have those same opportunities. But he didn't say or at least I didn't hear him say that he was going to do special partnerships to help women in leadership or to get more women into the industry or anything like that. It was 
this is what we're offering to everybody that's part of Compass. And it'll elevate everyone's businesses. And there is a large portion of you that are women and maybe, you know, single moms or whatever. I just, I, single I, women I, I, I see what you're saying. Gonna... I guess from his, where he was coming from and talking about his personal story, I thought that just gave him a lot more authenticity than, you know, oh, other yeah. people kind of doing that, right? Yeah. So I just think it it added to that 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 story. I, you know, again, it could be all stagecraft or whatever, but um, that's, that's no, right. No, no, no. You know, look, he, no, no, no. Look, let's 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 put it this way. I think Robert Refkin is one of the most compelling speakers, presenters, on-stage personalities, you know, in the industry, bar none. I mean, there are some, you know, I, some others that are as good, but I don't think there's anybody that is like significantly better than Refkin. He's really, really. I good think at I've that, heard the, right? the analogy is like Gary Keller's like Trump and like Refkin's like Obama, right? Right, Brad Inman made that analogy, and mm-hmm. and I agree. Like, look, Refkin is really good at, at at that, but the messaging itself. I mean, like I said, Glenn Kelman's been doing the exact same thing and talking about you know those issues. Uh, a lot of folks have been doing it, but I want to because I I know. Gosh, we're already almost at an hour. There is one thing I'm really curious about. You know, first from Sunny's perspective, because you know obviously you counsel brokerages. So, the question is this: Okay, we know that Compass is doing these things. What would you do differently if you're a brokerage as a result of what you saw in that vision video? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. What I would do is I would probably break out each piece and say, you know, this is what they're saying they're offering. It's like, yeah, we offer these things or our partners offer these things. I, because as I mentioned earlier, there aren't that many new things that they have rolled out as, you know, their five new products or services. Like the bridge loan, that's not new. The COO piece, that is new. And maybe like find a local business school in your area that maybe can do some sort of internship where they're helping, you know, they're helping people like the Small Business Association, bringing people in to help the agents structure their business like a business and how to read a P&L and how to kind of control spending and paying attention to the checks that are coming in the door as well as the checks that are going out the door. So I think that piece trying to find like the, yeah, an SBA person or you know a someone that's getting so, their MBA locally. Sounds like Sunny. They might be contacting that. you for a job, huh? Hey, maybe. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's I think mean, that piece to me was honestly the most compelling. Uh, that part of offering the COO, that part was the most compelling to me because so many agents are so good at sales and they're so good at connecting with their clients, but they're really, they struggle with running a business. And it's because that's not their wheelhouse. And there are so many people who are great at sales, but not great at the business end of it. So I'm not, I'm not saying that agents are bad. It's just, that's not their wheelhouse and that's okay. And most small businesses, you know, once they get to a certain point, they do have to realize that the CEO, like especially startups, like the CEO is a very different person than the COO. So I think that that was really smart that they recognize that and that right. they're going to be offering that. I again, I'm going to be I'm I'm going to be really watching to see how this is executed. Um, but I think if I was a broker trying to compete with Compass, I would try to find that piece somehow. I feel like that piece is the one that is missing in a lot of brokerages. But again, it's like, can you get agents to use the service that's provided? And I think you have to, the agents will have to have some skin in the game. They'll have to pay something. It's like coaching. I would coach my agents for free, but 
they would rather go, you know, to Tom Ferry, who they're paying, you know, 500 bucks a month, because they've got some skin in the game. So I could be saying the same thing that the Tom Ferry coach is saying, but because they're paying that person, they're going to listen to that person more than they're going to listen to me. So I think that that is, that would be interesting to see how someone could execute on that at a local level. All right. Well, very cool. Uh, I know we could keep talking, but I know uh, we're already at like about an hour and we all got like things to do and dinner to make and, you know, like I'll go make something up. And Yeah. What is Rob fixing Greg, for dinner tonight, Sonny? What is, what is he fixing for dinner tonight, Sonny? He's actually, we're having leftovers because we're leaving tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> so we are having leftovers. Nice, he, nice last save. night he made chicken with chicken and capers. Uh, that's right. Who made yeah, chicken and capers? Cooked, he cooked last night. <laughs> Who and so we were happy. I said you did. That's Rob right. Cooked last night. Yeah. It was the first time in like six months that he's cooked, <laughs> other than when I've been away. Oh, she so. took you out. And she just right at the end. She gave it I to know. you, man. La- total like like my support just <laughs> fell apart at the end. There, it's all right. You know what? He is a great cleanup crew in the kitchen. I I do most of the cooking. He does a lot of the cleaning up. So. It's all about balance, isn't it? Yeah. Just like you, she said about the CEO, CEO, like you got to focus on what you're good at. I'm good <laughs> yeah. at cleaning up. Yeah. You know, like you she's know, better. I always thought you've like, been man, good at making a mess, up. Rob. So that's that's really news to I me. I can throw down in the kitchen. That's right. Anyway, so uh, listen, uh, you know, thank you for joining us, special guest. Hey, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Honey. And Greg, uh, it's been fun as always. And uh, we'll see how things play out, I think is the, is the answer, but... Yeah, and, you know, and thanks uh, again to all the listeners here in 2018. We're looking forward to 2019 and uh, happy holidays to everybody and appreciate the support. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.